Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Um, but- I'm going to have to tell my partner about this. Oh, no, do. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you about it later. Because um, <laughs> uh, I'm too embarrassed to talk about it on the podcast. It's the 6th of July, 2017. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about allies. June was Pride Month throughout the United States, which brought us the anniversary of the Stonewall riots and the rainbow reaction on Facebook. But one of the most enduring debates of the month was the role of so-called allies in Pride events. The American clothing store Abercrombie & Fitch sparked this debate after a tweet, which was quickly deleted, that said, quote, The Pride community is for everybody, not just LGBTQ people, end quote. The gym brand Equinox also came under fire after they released a video in celebration of Pride showing, quote, 26 voices explaining what each letter of the alphabet means to them, end quote. For the letter A, the video spoke about allies and advocates. This has gotten Ben and I thinking about what we actually mean about the term allies. Who are queer allies, and are they part of the so-called queer community? And what does a recent focus on queer allies say about us as a community? So Ben, let's just jump straight to it. Uh, Do allies belong in pride marches? So this is one of those questions that just kind of opens everything up straight away. (laughs) I think my answer to this (laughs) kind of just reflects my feelings about the issue generally. I think, uh, like, absolutely pride events and, uh, I guess, visibility and advocacy efforts and those sorts of things around queer people should absolutely involve non-queer people. I think that that's important. I think that to make uh, change in society, you know, that, that has to involve kind of people outside of just our community itself. But uh, I think the the problem here for me comes with how we define their involvement. And mm-hmm. I, I totally have an issue with uh, the idea of like, uh, like a non-queer person being involved in something like a Pride event uh, under the kind of sanctioned label of, you know, capital A allies. I think that you know, on on some level, this is just kind of my my problem with identity politics. That that this is like this kind of you know taken to its kind of extreme logical conclusion, where where it's not even about who you are; it's just about a kind of thing that you believe becomes this becomes this named and labeled identity. Uh, so yeah, like I, I I don't know if that is sort of meaningful as a as a distinction, but I suppose it kind of goes to the heart of of what I think about allies generally being. It's not. I think in a, in a lot of ways, identity politics has the effect of, like, giving people a sort of moral comfort by being able to just memorise a set of rules about what it is to be a good person and what, what you have to think and do mm-hmm. to be a good person. 
and I, and I think that to to be a kind of I don't know, like you know, obviously the term has become so loaded now, but to to be an ally to me means embracing a lack of control and a lack of certainty around what is good behavior to support a particular group of people. Like I think about, I had this experience on um, on Facebook just yesterday, actually, where I, where I was like, I just was in this, um, a couple of days ago, was in this like stupid, um, having this stupid like back and forth in a comment thread on a status that I'd had with a friend of mine. We were just like being silly and kind of like riffing off each other's jokes. Yep, yep. And I just made, I made a really stupid comment that I didn't even think about that that basically equated heterosexuality to sexual attraction to vaginas essentially which was which was really dumb and i did it without thinking and was just like kind of uh, like it was in the context of being completely just silly and ridiculous but yeah, you know yeah. like obviously that you know that excludes bisexual people and it also in- excludes a lot of trans men uh, and it, and it was just a it was just a kind of dumb thing to do, and and a, a trans guy I know kind of commented on on the status and and said, you know, I know that this is all in fun, but you know, being attracted to vaginas doesn't make you straight. And I was like, yeah, no, totally, you're right. I've done the wrong thing. I just wasn't thinking. And then, you know, sent sent him a message and said, totally sorry about that. And he told me that he was expecting a, a fight over it, and I was like. Oh, I feel like I would have to be a total asshole to like pick a fight over something so silly. <laughs> but then like even, you know, even in the even in the context of that, I felt a bit afterwards like I'd been overly kind of self-congratulatory or something for like how how, you know, kind of, you know, with all the inverted commas like well I'd handled this uh fuck up on my part. Yep, and yep. I f- I feel like what I take away from that whole experience is that like my feeling of sort of discomfort and my feeling of I have fucked this up and I have upset someone and I try to recognize that and deal with it in the right way. But but the right way, you know, again, in inverted commas, is not necessarily... I'm not necessarily in the best position to judge that. That discomfort is sort of inherently, I think, has to be part of being an ally. And I think that that is kind of antithetical to naming and having this kind of identity that, that is ally, you know, this kind of certainty around the role of, of being an ally. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest here and say I'm actually struggling with this topic, and I and I have been for a little while because I'm really not sure how we define what an ally actually is, in the sense that I don't really know. You know, I th- I think that I don't I don't know what an ally in what sense, and the, and I guess this comes down to some of the some of the issues I have with identity politics, and that I think identity politics is a sort of attempt at a movement without a political philosophy that underpins it and so in many ways so it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a a, a movement or a sort of advocacy based on identity but that doesn't actually you know come with a sort of it's a, it's about sort of being able to express your identity but it's very difficult to define what that actually means in particular cases and so when it comes to allies there's this interesting situation in which an ally uh, you know, an ally can mean different things to different people depending on what their political philosophy is, or as an ally's position can mean that. So, um, I guess what I'm trying to get is that in your in your instance, and I think 
your instance is a bit more clean cut because of the, the the politics that you have, and that you were that you had admitted that you were wrong, and that you were that, uh, that you know that you're uncomfortable with with what you'd said, and all of that kind of stuff. But I think that there's often this sort of association that goes, well, I I was upset by that by something that was said, um, and so you have to sort of apologize apologize for that, or you're a bad ally because you said that kind of thing without sort of understanding or without sort of appreciating that often that kind of, that kind of stuff comes from just there being different political philosophies or different political ideas, and that a different queer person might have a completely different reaction to that. And there's mm. sort of the expectation, well, this is, and I think this goes back to what you are saying about identity politics, is it's sort of about learning these these things that you have to sort of just get right and, you know, tick the box. Um, but that is just sort of, and, and a lot of that is, in particular, is focused around language and about the use of the, of, of the correct terms and correct language without actually being, okay, what's an ally mean in terms of, um, supporting political goals and supporting political outcomes. It's about sort of, you're an ally if you tick these boxes, even if you don't necessarily agree with some of the political philosophies that underpin those boxes. And if you want to debate those boxes, you're automatically a bad ally. or you're, That's how it gets come across in many ways. And I think your instance, your example is different because of, I think it you're engaged with that in the way that you, that you did. But I think that I see quite a lot of instances where someone's labelled a bad ally, not because... Even not because they they don't listen, but because necessarily they just don't agree, and that automatically makes them mm. a bad ally. Um, even if they sort of have a often a better political philosophy, from my perspective, than the people they don't agree with. But to some, I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying, but to some degree, uh, I mean, it's that it's that thing about identity politics where it's like, you know, like. It's not all bad, <laughs> and I think, and I think hmm. that there are there are sort of good things about it, and and useful things about it, and and I suppose I, in instances where, I don't know, some hypothetical instance where someone from outside of a group or outside of an identity is critiquing some approach to advocacy, say from within that group, so like a straight person critiquing like gay people's approach to marriage equality for example yeah, yeah. like I, like i think part part of me agrees with you and says and and w- and would say i mean yes i like i think that that there's there is a sort of absence of political ideology or or an unstated political ideology that drives that that that's important to critique and blah blah blah, blah and why should that only you know have to be valid if you're from inside that group but then i also i also kind of think in in most cases, it's probably hard to identify how a critique from outside of the group is going to be helpful. Like it's it's kind of hard to see how it's going to be received in a way that is constructive. Or like like I suppose I'm I'm very pro these sorts of critiques coming from like I, like I just think there is a, so much kind of practical and symbolic value to having debates within communities and and communities being like kind of safe spaces to be able to have those sorts of debates to some degree without needing to engage outside of that, partly just because it's too hard. Like, so I think yeah. like in an ideal world, I agree with you, but like in, in I practice, guess, I think there's a lot of value in just kind of shutting up. Yeah. But I guess this is the, this is part of the major problem I have with identity politics is that I think it it creates these walls and puts people into silos that sort of um, 
doesn't allow for room for solidarity between groups, um, between different groups. It says here is the queer community and we can have the debates with inside the queer community and you allies just have to support us no matter what, no matter, I don't know what that, uh, what that means. You know, you know, you have to support us and then you have people of color who's the the same issue as you and women, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's, there's, there's no room for like solidarity between groups or, 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 or capacity to work together in that sense. And I think that yes. working together in that sense means sometimes we have to have debates that work externally as well as internally. Um, at, because, because these are not just things that impact only within communities. There yeah, is yeah, stuff around, you know, there's a whole range of stuff around you know, stuff around sexuality and gender is stuff that affects everybody in the world in different kind of ways. Mm. And I think it's useful to be able to have those engagements with people and be able to have people say, well, I disagree, and then to sort of engage with it rather than just saying, well, you're not queer, so you're you're now a bad ally. Get out. Um, mm. And that's what I think happens quite a lot is like, well, uh, you say you're an ally, but then you just disagreed with me, so you're, now you're a bad ally. So now you're no lot, you're clearly not an ally. You're just someone who 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 just doesn't get it, or who who's tr- who's trying to be an ally to look good, um, even though you know instead of instead of engaging with that and saying, well, let's let's engage with it critically and talk about it, and maybe you can change my perspective and I can change your perspective, mm. and we can do those kinds of things. It's sort of like, okay, well. You, you just shut up. You're not. In, you're not. You're not. You're not engaged. In it. You know. You're not. You're not a good ally yeah. anymore. I mean, I think it. Uh, it's hard because it. Like it. I think what you're saying almost presupposes, like an ideal that, in my experience, just so rarely actually exists. Which, which is hmm. that people outside of those spaces are attempting to engage in ways that are not just totally bound by the same um, identity politics as define those spaces you know like yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. not like this kind of hypothetical example of somebody wanting to critique something on the basis of some underlying political philosophy like just virtually never happens and so often it is more a case of like some douchebag going like i don't know like as a straight person or like as a white person like i do know more about this than you and why haven't you kind of understood <laughs> why don't you understand this i think that sort of thing happens all the time so and i think the potentially the the example that I can think of, um, where there was people who were willing to, it, I think if I go back to the plebiscite debate in particular, there was some really interesting mm. stuff from political commentators, people who had expertise in this area, who were engaging um, on the issue and saying, and and a, and a few who said, you know, who wrote, particularly after the bill was defeated, um, I, I want to say it was Mark Kenny, but I'm, I'm yeah, there were people who said you you fucked this yeah, up, guys. Yeah, basically, yeah, um, and who were sort of like, who were re- yeah, who were automatically you know told, you know, well, you know, piss off, you're not, you know, you're 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 straight explaining to us and all this kind of stuff, and mm. and that frustrated me as someone who from within the queer community was critical of the approach of the approach because it came across as this as if there was this united position of queer people and anybody who disagreed with that position was straight splaining or was a bad ally uh when actually i think that there was interesting stuff to engage with there that a, a view that i held a position that i held that was worth engaging with but instead of engaging with it it sort of was like well you just sort of nah you you you're you're just you're not part of this community so so just just shut up and don't be engaged don't be part of it and and it came from people who were clearly in that perspective were trying to actually engage with it from a, you know from their their perspective of someone who's done who have done political analysis for a long time, you know, in Mark. Totally. Case. And ultimately yeah. wanted the same outcome in, in the sense that these were people who, who supported 
marriage quality. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, that was a really good example. You know, I, and the, I, I was really critical of the idea of straight splaining because I just, I just didn't think that that's what it was in mm. that instance. And I, and I guess that's what I see a lot with allies. And I don't maybe I've derailed our conversation here in taking it down this path, but that's kind of what I see with a lot of this stuff around allies is sort of, you know, that it, you, it's going back to that thing I said about you have to sort of tick the box and support us and support whatever this language is when I don't think that... I mean, I don't think that internally that language has been agreed upon, um, and I don't, definitely don't think that's the case. And so you'll get an ally will get criticised by some when they will get congratulated by others for using particular types yeah, of language. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that internally we haven't agreed on a, on a, on a, on a politics either. Um, yes, and yeah. So it's hard to support a politics when you don't actually know what that politics is. I mean, I feel like I feel like something that I like an example of this. You know, I I, t- I totally agree with you that that what you're describing happens, and and I think like I like I agree that that's I can't, that's shitty, but I I think something that I also see happening, which I'm more okay with, that also sort of has a similar outcome in terms of just like a- ally. Oh my god, just I hate even using the word um, allies needing to kind of <laughs> back off. Is is I think uh, situations where there is an acknowledgement that there is a lot of diversity of opinion within a particular community and a lot of disagreement and and there's an attitude of like well it's not really our problem or our responsibility to have to kind of educate or or tell an ally outside of the community which bit of those which bit they should think is right or or which bit they should agree with that that like like I I'm okay with just letting like, like, if we're having a debate about something within a community, if we're having a disagreement about something, which does happen, not as you know, not certainly not as often as as I would like, then I'm kind of okay with telling an ally just stay out of this. We're going to have this debate, and we're probably going to come to a to some. We're probably going to get somewhere with it, even if we don't have a conclu- have a conclusion. It's good for us to be having this. Feel free to sort of grapple with your confusion about what that means and what your role in this is, like. I'm okay with you doing that, but but you're going to have to do that from outside. Like, you're you going to have to like, sit in your uncertainty. Do you have an example of that that well, I think, you can think, I think of? I think marriage equality is actually a good example in, in some ways where, there, like, there are, you know, the longer this debate sort of drags on in Australia, I think more and more there's a, um, like, probably not at the really kind of visible political levels, but I think at a more... Uh, I mean, certainly amongst people I know, there are much more active conversations that, that are critiques of marriage and, and people who say, like, I know lots of queer people who have no desire to get married, even if they broadly kind of support the issue. So, I, so I feel like that that is something where where there is sort of disagreement, not necessarily about, like, the end goal, but about the value of the institution generally. And, like, I've definitely seen situations where straight people or non-queer people have kind of been a bit sort of thrown or confused by hearing that those sorts of disagreements exist within mm-hmm. our communities, assuming that there's just this kind of universal support for the issue. Yep, yep. And I'm kind of fine with them being confused by that and them kind of having... Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ...to grapple with that themselves. Like a, Like I... I don't know. I think in general, in political debate, I'm pro confusion <laughs> and pro <laughs> uncertainty because I think that you know the the sort of dogmatic certainty that we often see in political debates around particularly identity issues um, is the enemy of complexity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's definitely true in identity issues. I think it's true in the sense of like something like marriage equality, where it's just this sort of universal thought that everybody loves it, or um, it's true in the sense of of language, I think is very, very true uh, in identity movements. It's sort of this sort of set, here is the, the language that that we use, and there's that, that's a sort of dogmatic um, truth, I think. Well, even like the, and this is something we've talked about in the podcast before, but the name of the podcast, Queer, like Queers, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Like Queer is in some ways a good example of this as well, where there, where there are still... I think this is something I've said on here. There, there are still a lot of particularly older gay men who have a real problem with the the use of the word and and are not kind of on board with the reclaiming of it. Yep. And I, I mean, I'm fine with me using it because I use it all the time, but I'm also fine with them having a problem with it. And I think in spaces where there is likely to be someone who has a problem with it, like I would feel uncomfortable with a straight person using it anyway even if i didn't feel uncomfortable about using it myself because i think i see what you're saying yeah because i like i do like i do feel like there is value in keeping people who are maybe less informed out of those more out of particularly complex debates or have less Mm. of a stake in it maybe Mm, yeah i i can see what you're saying particularly around that complexity i think what's interesting to me, I think that there's some really interesting stuff about um, allies needing to educate themselves, and I, and that's something that there's sort of a a um, almost like a, a gradient of this. I see a lot of stuff, uh, particularly on you know Facebook groups that for some reason I'm part of that make me angry. <laughs> I feel like you have um, a lot of like hate membership in in Facebook. I do. Groups. I've actually it's, 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 it's you got to cut back. It's growing too. It's like, oh, no. like I keep telling myself it's research and then I get obsessed with like, oh my God, how terrible is this? Oh, no. I think I've told the story before about being a member of a Facebook group um, and someone, I was uh, this LGBTQ activist group and someone used a term, I can't remember what the term was, um, that was considered ins- insensitive to trans people. I can't remember exactly what it was. 
they someone pulled them up on it and they said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I hadn't realized uh I hadn't realized, you know, I'm new to some of this stuff. I hadn't realized." Um and then and and apologized and sort of said, "Okay, I'm I'm learning from that." And then the next post was like that same person saying, "I've decided to leave this group because I clearly don't know enough and I'm worried that I will say stuff and hurt people in this group." Mm. And it really infuriated me because it sort of was like this whole idea that there's that you have to go out and educate yourself before you're able to engage in some of this politics and that there is some sort of way you can educate yourself, you know, that that allies or even queer people, to be honest, um, have to sort of educate themselves in some sort of language, you know, like like there's a manual that you have to read Mm. before you're allowed to participate. And I think that at that level, um, I find it really problematic because... You know, and and you see a lot of people who say, well, you know, I refused. You know, uh, you know, come and educate yourself before you before you ask me stupid questions. Uh, you know, and I and I get a lot of like, I see a lot of stuff where it's you know, it takes a lot of emotional labor, for example, to to be constantly answering these questions. And I totally get that. Like from people, you know, when you when you're constantly, if you're if you're queer and you're constantly being asked questions or you constantly have to explain concepts, it totally makes sense that it's that it takes emotional labor to do that. And I can totally respect people saying, well, look, I just don't feel like answering those questions at the point at that point of time. Um, but I also think that if you're going to be engaged in advocacy, engaged in progressive politics, like actually having conversations with people about things is part of the job of yes, doing that. Yeah. And so you can't just be like, well, you have to go and educate yourself some somewhere out in the ether and then come back and then you can be part of the community because part of the sort of process of creating change is, is engaging with people in that. Yeah. I think I that that's one level of that. And then, I don't know, your level of where you're talking about these complexity of issues and these complexity of debates, I think is slightly different from that. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's related, though. Like, there, there are just, like, a bunch yeah. of things that I, that I wanted to say in, in response to, to what you were just saying. I think part of the problem there is, like... I, I, like, I broadly agree with what you're saying about, about educating people. But, I, like, I think part of the problem is... Social media, as as always, like feeds feeds this stuff, and I think that like in you know, part of it is just this thing where where we have like access now and interactions now with people that we don't really have a stake in a relationship with. Yep, absolutely. And yeah. and so like I feel like in an in you know. <laughs> Um, say like a pre-social media world, like if you were if you had a close enough relationship to someone to for for that question to sort of come up, like you would probably feel comfortable enough to talk about it. It's just that now, you know, you, you could be asked that question by strangers like fifty times yeah, a day, 100%. which which probably wasn't the case before. And I think that's I think that's a problem. I think in terms of the educating yourself thing, like I like broadly I. I I don't have a problem with that statement that it is people's responsibility to educate themselves about a about an issue to be able to engage in debates at some level. Um, I think that the question I would have is, uh, you know, what does educating yourself actually involve? And like, I definitely think that you know, I would rail against the idea that there is like a particular thing that you need to educate yourself with. Like to me, that mm. means that means educating yourself about the complexities of the issue generally, you know, like not just the rules of how to behave, but like what the debates are, what the disagreements are, what the uncertainties yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. To me, that's all part of it. And I, and I do think, like I think like willful ignorance or, or, or laziness about an issue. And again, this partly stems from social media and the fact that people can just jump into any conversation about any issue very easily. 
I think, again, is the enemy of, of complexity. That, like, if you're constantly having to bring things back to the most basic level, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to progress, like, complex issues about things like queerness. It's funny, like, I feel like, I, you know, I should probably put it out there that, I, like, I, so much of the tension for me in this issue is around my own politics, which part of me would like to believe I'm, like, this sort of practical person who is engaged in, like, practical outcomes for better and quicker queer um issues for queer people but on some level i'm a total fucking separatist you know like a, like <laughs> I to, like i totally want to just be like no fuck it let's just like go and live on some fucking island somewhere and like have our debates and sort our own shit out like i like i you know and the reality is that i like both of those things and i think them at different times but i think there is absolutely value in like having spaces that are just ours where we can have more complex debates than we can necessarily have outside of those spaces. I mean, this podcast, again, is a perfect example where, you know, we we pitch it pretty high and we and we pitch it to queer people. Like I was on this a panel about kind of diversity in podcasting recently and one of the things that kept, kept coming up for me and the other panelists was talking about, like, we're not making this for people outside of, no, people who aren't kind of already engaged in these debates and to some degree whilst you know i do i guess care broadly about the engagement of allies in in queer debates because you have to to make kind of broader social change there have to be spaces where i don't give a shit about that and where i'm okay with them being alienated and excluded yeah and i and i think and i think you're right in in many ways and i think that it's funny, like, being alienated and excluded is not the end of the world in all of this um, for lots of people. Like, no, uh, no. you know, there's 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 a um, a real desire at the moment for everybody to sort of be, um, you know, to, 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 to be, I don't want to say coddled, but almost that, you know, that, that being harmed is inherently a thing that we should always be avoiding. And actually, you know, sometimes the, the hurt of being excluded from a group, you know, from a queer group can actually be, you know, is is a thing that some people are just gonna have to deal with. <laughs> I've got no problem with that. Mm. Sometimes those things to suck, or they might they might hurt, they might feel like crappy. You know, they might feel crappy, but it's okay in the space where you know there's there's important reasons for that. I guess where it comes to the ally stuff is like, how do we engage? How and when do we engage? So yes, you know, I agree, and we, you know, we're we're pitching this at a at, you know quite a high level queer group uh and um you know and i hope that it comes across you know people people are engaged you know are engaging it at it at that level and are getting stuff from it at that level uh what's the what's the level at where we engage with so-called allies and what does that look like and i guess that i feel like so much of the stuff which is about engaging with allies or even just engaging with queer people who you know, haven't been involved in the debates for their entire lives, mm, mm. Um, is often treated as if it is, as if it has to be at this level, or, um, or or more regularly, it's treated as if you have to know all of the right language and you have to be able to follow the rules. Yes, and, and I think that's, that's, that's where more, I think it gets really totally. Where it and gets... that's more the problem that I have. I think is is not so much like exclusion on the basis of like uh, complexity. It's more that like the answer to that exclusion is a set of rules that you have to learn, you know? Yeah. And, and that, to yeah. me, is, um, like, a, a, a curse on so much of kind of discourse in queer communities, not just around allies. Mm, and it's a set of rules that haven't been agreed upon, you know? Uh, a set of rules that um, that really... Uh, that that some people some people believe in and some people don't and some people there's debates about them and yet they're sort of defined and you sort of have to follow them 
but it's hard to know how to follow them because you don't know who what they actually are because there's no there's no you know it's just some people get ups you know some people get uh, hurt by things or upset by things and you know potentially rightfully so but that doesn't mean it's the same for everybody else so some people could be using language that is totally fine within their you know within their queer community but then you go to a different one and you know, suddenly it's it's extremely painful and that sort of stuff is you know it's like uh, that and the, the moment that that occurs, you're sort of the bad ally or the bad person, rather than the, you know sort of having being a having engagement about what those rules are mm. or what why they exist or what what they are. It's just sort of no, no, you just follow this. But if I think about you know the the question, which is like it's you know a meaningless question, I think in the context of this debate, but like you know how 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 can you be a good ally? Like if, like if somebody asks me like how can I be a good ally to queer people? I mean I like I feel like there there is good. At, there is a good piece of advice in saying, you know, that if you upset people, it's okay and you should keep trying anyway. Like, yep. not to... Like, that. that's always necessarily going to be a challenging thing that you don't... Potentially don't have any control over and you sort of just need to be okay with that and not kind of run away on the basis of being told you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that... Um, I think that I, I think inevitably, if you get involved in queer politics, um, you're going to upset somebody, no matter yeah. what <laughs> position you hold. Like it's just, and 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 this That's this true. highlights so much of the problems in that there is there is such diversity, and I mean, diversity is not a problem, but um, <laughs> there is such, <laughs> you know, it's it it highlights you know that there is such diversity and there is such a disagreement that still exists, and so you can't please everybody, and you're never going to be able to please everybody. I think that. If you want to be a good ally, but I also think if you want to be a good, you know, person involved in queer politics at all, the the thing to be doing is to be trying to to engage and understand the complexity of those debates, to be able to and to be able to sort of understand your own, from my perspective, to understand your own philosophical position in relation to those debates, and to be able to actually engage with them at that level, so that when you do upset somebody, or if which is inevitable in my view, mm. um, you sort of understand why that might have been the case, and you don't. You know, I think that if you want to be an ally, you can't come in and try and please everybody. Um, is you know, is is a really harsh reality for me. Is that there is impossible yes. to please everybody, and I think that there is an expectation that allies should just sort of uh, meekly please everybody. And I don't know what that means. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, it's um, not. because there's just significant differences within the community, and that sort of expectation that you'll just sort of. Well, someone says, well, this is offensive, or you shouldn't do that, and so you should must automatically agree when the next person, queer person would say, actually, that's totally fine, and I have no problem with you um, doing that. You know, you can't please both of those people, so you have to be able to engage deeply with the issues so that you can figure out where you want to stand on some of those positions if you want to be engaged in them and be able to sort of, team, you know ally or guess or, or, or work with solidarity you know, work in solidarity with people who are, who have that similar philosophy to you that's that's how I see it I'm interested in when you talk about allies and the desire for someone to be an ally to a community I'm interested in the value of or otherwise of goodwill of like mm-hmm. how important is it to engage with this stuff with I don't know the right attitude or, or goodness or kind of good intentions, and it's something I'm kind of interested in regarding sort of like morality and moral philosophy generally. Is like like what is the value of like in- intention um, versus kind of outcomes? And I think one of the many many problems with identity politics is that it's so kind of um, because there are just these set rules for how you have to behave. 
like intentions if you get it wrong intention can be can be seen as like completely sort of irrelevant yeah um, yep. and i think i think that's a real problem because like i've just seen so many instances of people engaged in those spaces particularly as you know quote allies uh who are probably like kind of jerks you know <laughs> but have learnt all the rules and are able to sort of perform in the right way in those spaces but as soon as anything goes wrong are just exposed as these like horrible people and everyone's really confused by that <laughs> like you know yeah, but that and, person and was saying all the right things like like what like what's happened and to and me that, that's and shocking and that's compared to the person who is coming in with the right intentions and is feeling their way through and maybe makes mistakes along the way but even though they have the right intentions, they maybe make the mistakes and they're most likely because they've made those mistakes, at least in my in my view, at least in, in, in sort of the social media spaces, um, would be excluded at the point of that first mistake in many many ways because mm. they're sort of immediately labelled as uneducated or bigoted or whatever it is. And so even though they've come in with the right intentions because they haven't learnt the rules yet um, of that of that space, they're, you know, they're excluded. And I think that that's it's a, there's sort of really interesting dynamic there where the uh, the jerk ends up getting to stay in, um, whereas the person who is trying um, with that intention uh, ends up being pushed out um, because of because of you know harmless mistakes along the way quite often. Yeah, and so and so like like obviously this is a very like problematic way to talk about this in a lot of ways, but like I. You know, like what, like what, what is goodness? You know, like like mm, that's mm. that's something it's hard to you know. Moral, well, and and it's something that moral philosophers have been grappling with for like thousands of years. Yeah, um, exactly. But but I think that like that that as a question, which I think is a, is an important question and an interesting question broadly, is sort of cut out of the like identity politics kind of takes that off the table to some degree. Yep, yep. Because goodness is simply performing the correct behaviors for a given yep, space yep. and i don't want to say like you know intention isn't everything you know you of course like you can be like you can have the right intentions and still like really hurt people and massively fuck up and i i would never say that that person is not culpable but like i think i don't know pro- we probably need to sort of wrap up this conversation but but i think an interesting kind of question or thought to to finish with is you know it, like how do we in the context of allies within the context of identity politics, like how can we accommodate uh, fostering goodness and fostering kind of goodwill for people who want to engage in these spaces? Mm. That is a good question. I have no idea. Yeah, no, um, I don't know. But, yeah, but I think it's a good question to end on. Mm. Well, maybe that's where we should end then because um, I think that's a good place to do so. Um, so thanks everybody for listening as always. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. In the meantime, as always, you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And as we always say, leave us a review and rating, which does help other people find us. You can email us on our fancy new email address, which is queerspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us online on these social media spaces where I (laughs) engage in hate Facebook group joining and um, we have debates. Join the hate. Can be good. Yeah, join the hate. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Simon Copland and Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. And I'm just on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Hold up. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.